0: In the Skinny Podcast
1: only on local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly Pope edition I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Roaring. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. We've got some baseball to talk about, we've got some masters to talk about, we got some final four to recap. We've got all kinds of stuff, and of course, hopefully there's some questions for me where you can ask me a question on any topic. Just go to Twitter. When Rick asks, hit us up on the hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. Rick, uh, I've had a bunch of baseball broadcasts this week wiped out by weather. It looks like the weather's going to suck over the weekend, but opening day, what I consider opening day, next Tuesday, even though the Reds are opening tonight as we're doing this podcast, looks like opening day itself, the weather will be will, will be quite nice, so that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's the one great thing about being in Cincinnati. No matter how upset, disappointed, frustrated you are with the team to start the season, you always have opening day to look forward to. It's still a party. And today, is you're right, it's not opening day today on Thursday as we record this. This is the first day of the Major League Baseball season involving the Reds. It's not opening day.
1: That's correct. Now, I will say, though, do you know the last time the Reds opened on the road? I have no idea. 1990. What did they do in 1990.
0: Uh, people may remember they, they won a, a championship, I believe, that year. That's
1: right. They went wire to wire. In fact, uh, I think they swept the opening series at Houston that year, and it was uh, see you later. So who knows? Maybe you go to the defending world champions, you sweep them, and maybe it's it's kind of the way it's supposed to be. Or maybe not.
0: Or maybe not. No, it is the first day of the Major League Baseball season for the Reds. Calling an open day just does not feel right, given that they're starting the season on the road in Atlanta. You posted a glass half-full, glass half-empty prospectus about the season ahead. Where do you think this team is closer to right now, Skinny? The the half-full or the half-empty version?
1: Well, it's funny. As I, as I wrote that, I actually started to get a little excited about this team a little bit of thinking, all right, if the glass is half-full with all the stuff I'm writing, yeah, it's got a chance to be a pretty good team. I, I But I leaned, when I made a final prediction, I, I leaned towards uh, under the 500 mark. So I'm going to go, I guess, means glass more half-empty.
0: I think that's right. And I was reading through what you had written there on local12.com. I think the thing that stands out to me right now in terms of if you're trying to lean into the optimistic view and the glass half full view, I look at the pitching staff first and foremost.
1: Yeah, especially, you know, the starting staff. And the thing is that the thing that's so interesting, and I guess this is this piques my interest that's so interesting to it is. I don't know what Hunter Green's going to be. I don't know what Nick Liddell is going to be. Is is Revere San Martin, is he really that guy that went 2-0 with a 154 ERA down the stretch of, of last season? Or is he um, a guy that I, I don't know enough about? It's too small of a sample size. What will I get out of Luis Castillo when he comes back? The one thing I, I, I'm i pretty sure, and this is where I, I kind of fudge a little bit on Tyler Malley, try to nitpick a little bit. I, I know I've got a consistent major league starter there. Other than that, Rick, I don't know what I've got.
0: No, I mean, it, it's a good point. It it could go either way with all of these guys almost, except for, like you said, you think Mali you're pretty sure of what you got in him. But after that, Castillo, because of the injuries and the inconsistency, especially last year, you really don't know what you have coming back with him. And then everybody else is pretty much a wild card at this point. You really don't know. I mean, we're really excited about Green and Lodolo. That's to me, the whole reason for watching this season is Jonathan India and those two pitchers and seeing what those guys can become. But Revere San Martin, who knows? I mean, it looked great at the end of last season, but really, who knows? I still think, though, to me, if this team is going to be exciting, if you're going to have the half-full approach, you lean into the pitching staff and think, these guys could actually be end up being pretty good. When I look at the lineup from an offensive standpoint, it's really underwhelming to me.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a hair. The, the problem is I just don't see the depth of any if any key guys get hurt at any point in time that where you're like oh man there, there's e- there's just no easy replacements. And again, I go back to the glass half full, glass half empty part. Is Joey Vado's last year just an outlier, Were the three previous years kind of where he was trending and he just caught lightning in a bottle, and now he's a year older? Right, but let um, me ask
0: you, let me ask you on that. What do you think is more likely?
1: Honestly, the way he swung it this spring, I don't know if 36 homers is more likely, but could I see him in the 850 OPS range with 30 homers? I can.
0: Well, and if that's the case, that makes a big difference in the middle of the lineup. But I just go back, I mean, Tommy Pham, Joey Votto, Tyler Stevenson in the middle of your lineup, does that, does that strike in the fear in a lot of pitchers' hearts?
1: No, but but I, I'll, and that's where I kind of, when I when I wrote this, you know, if, if I'm going to platoon Tommy Pham and Jake Fraley, can I, can I get to 24 homers that I lost in Jesse Winker? I'm not going to get to OPS. I'm not going to get to on-base percentage. But I'm also, am I going to get better defense from those two guys? I think I am. In right field, am I going to approach Castellanos' numbers? Probably not, but Tyler Naquin hit 19 homers last year. Keno's, again, he's got to run into some because he swings and misses a lot. But, you know, if he plays consistently enough in a platoon situation, could he get you 15-8? Could you get 35 homers out of that part? And then obviously, the wild card is if Nick Senzel stays healthy, and that's a big if to this point. I mean, that's that's why we're looking at That's why I wrote the piece. When, I, when I, I was trying to write some kind of preseason piece, I thought, you know, I can do a case of how bad I think this team's going to be at each individual spot and how good this team can be at each individual spot. That's what makes it at least interesting to me to start this season off with.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of unknowns. That is. What happens when you put together a roster like they have? But I, I, I saw I was on DraftKings this morning as I was getting ready for the show and looking at some of the odds, seeing if there was anything interesting out there. And I went into over/unders for home runs. The Reds don't even have a player that qualifies for the list. Wow! They don't even have a guy on the board.
1: And what was the what was the the minimum number on the board, Rick?
0: I, I don't recall, but you know, I mean, most teams have at least one guy. A couple teams have two or three of them.
1: They try to get in this ballpark, right?
0: Exactly. I mean, you would think. And uh, I thought Votto would be on there for sure. And they didn't even have him on there. So I think that just goes to tell you a little bit about the pop in the middle of this lineup and the the overall ability. I mean, you're talking about, hey, if you platoon multiple guys and they each have really good years, you might be able to match what you had last year at those two corner outfield spots. And like re- realistically, could you maybe get the same amount of homers out of two different guys? It's possible. But one, those guys last year didn't play every single game either. And two... You're, like you said, you're not getting the rest of the average, the on base percentage, all that. Like it's just, I don't know. I'm I'm rather underwhelmed with looking at this lineup heading out there on opening day.
1: I understand. I know it, it's understandable because um, there are a lot of unknowns. Am I getting the Mike Mustakas of 2019? Am I getting Mike Mustakas of the last two years? You know, is is Tyler Stevenson really the the, the guy who's going to give you consistent professional at bats that he did last year, or with more at bats does he get exposed? I mean, all these are just, I think they're fascinating questions to try to answer. You know, going back to the pitching, the bullpen guys. Is Art Warren really a sub-2 ERA pitcher like he was before he got hurt? I mean, um, is Hunter Strickland the guy who caught lightning in a bottle last year in Milwaukee pitch really well? Is Louis Sessa the guy that pitched as well as he did after he came from New York? I will say this, and, and I when I wrote the thing, I can't imagine, with despite all the question marks in the bullpen, um, that it can be any worse than last year's bullpen that had about a 5 ERA.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's a really good point. I mean, I'm not excited about the bullpen. I don't think they majorly upgraded it, but there's no way it's as
1: bad as last year, right? Yeah. No. I it it, it just can't be. Yeah.
0: So I mean, like I don't know. I, I I tend to lean towards the glass half empty side. I will admit the rage. I was feeling, I think all fans were feeling a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago when they started making all those moves at first has definitely subsided. I am more interested again in in watching this team and seeing the couple of young guys and what they develop into, but it's hard to get excited about this team winning anything or being a playoff contender in my opinion.
1: Well, I, I guess I would ask this. What if Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo are are the real deal? And what if we get the Luis Castillo that we've seen um, 70% of the time that's just out, just dominantly outstanding. And you're going to have a rotation of those two kids, Mally Castillo, and let's say Re- Revere San Martin. He's not a one fifty-four yard ERA pitcher like he was for the two, two starts he had last year. But let's just say he's, he's a low three to mid threes kind of a guy. That's a pretty damn good rotation. It's a lot of ifs, but you can do a lot of things with a damn good rotation.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's why I said, when I look at this team, the thing that excites me and gives me optimism is the, the starting pitching rotation. I can see a world in which that ends up being really good. Now, I got to do a lot of hoping, wishing, and projecting to get there, but I can do that with the starting rotation. I I really I mean, unless you're just telling me Mike Moustakis catches fire and Joey Vado is the same player he was last year again, it's hard for me to make that argument for the lineup on the offensive side. So, yeah, I'm with you on the the pitching staff, but even if you have that type type of performance out of those young pitchers like you're talking about, you know how I'm going to feel about that, Skinny? I'm going to be pissed off that you gave away the other pieces because this could be a really competitive team in that case. Right,
1: right. That was my and whole actually, thing
0: is those two guys were supposed to be the guys that got you over the hump. The, the the wave of talent that you needed that you didn't have to go out and get because they were just a year away. And before you, they even got here, you, you dismantled the team in front of them. It's like, what the hell is going on?
1: Well, and that's, you know, I, I brought this up on the Sports Authority Sunday. The, the, we did a red segment, Chris Rankle and I. And I do have a small fear of of pushing Green and Lodolo too quickly. And I, I there's a part of me that says, okay, if you think they're ready, that's fine. You know, Ladolo's pitched all of sixty nine minor league innings. Hunter Green's pitched all of one hundred and seventy nine minor league innings and had Tommy John surgery to boot and all of those things. They 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 barely pitched in Louisville last year because of uh, of injuries, um, and, and so. There's a part of me that goes. Did you rush them because you needed to show the fans your shiny new toys and and have the people come to the ballpark to watch the shiny new toys? Do you really believe in them? And then the flip side is, what happens if they get their head kicked in? Then where are we?
0: What where are we at in terms of pitch count? Is is Hunter Green going to be on a pitch count? Have we heard that? I think yet? I
1: think I think you'll see all these guys. A well, that's the other part. That's a great. This is a that's a great question to bring up on, on two fronts. Not just I should pitch say count, innings count. Yeah, I should say yeah, innings, innings count, count. Excuse me. But no, but I, I think all these guys are on a, on a pitch count. So I can't imagine you have mo- many of these guys, including Tyler Malley tonight, go above 75, maybe 80 pitches first time, first few times through the rotation. But that'll be fascinating to see if both of these kids are on innings counts. You know, what if you're in the playoff race in some way, shape, or form? At what point do you decide to shut them down or do you shut them down? Because I got to imagine there is a there is an innings count somewhere in there. I would guess for both guys, well, probably more so for Hunter Green than Lodolo. Um I'd say Ladolo's probably at 175 innings and 100 greens, probably at 150.
0: Sounds about right. I mean, well, obviously there's a lot of variables to, to get into there, but yeah, I mean, that's going to be something to watch as we go on, especially if this team actually has a chance to compete. We, we've kind of answered this a little bit already skinny, as we've talked through this, but from a fan's perspective, give me one thing you should, you should be excited about to watch with this team. And one thing you should be dreading watching with this team.
1: Um, the excited about it, obviously is is the part of the what should be the young core moving forward, and there's not a lot of part of that young core moving forward. It's India Stevenson and and the two pitchers we just talked about, Hunter Green and Nick Ledo. I think those guys. I, I'm also excited, and I'm gonna regret this because he's gonna get hurt in a week probably. I'm excited to see what what can Nick Senzel do if he stays healthy. <laughs> I know
0: that's great. I knew you're gonna say that as soon as you said the injury part, but yeah, I mean. I I don't I think at this point it's hard to have much faith in Nixon's. I
1: know it, I know it, but but you know I when he came up he 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 gave it felt like he gave you know his average wasn't high and all those things but I always felt like he hit the ball harder did something positive right and then he's just now kind of been an afterthought the last couple of years because of the injury stuff. He was a first-round pick for a reason. They still believe in him, I think, for a reason. Not because it's because I think they believe that if he's healthy, he can do some good things. So I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. The thing I'm dreading, though, is, is again, what happens if, if these two kids get their get their heads kicked in and, um, you know, we start to see a, a sophomore slump from a Jonathan India and guys getting hurt and, and, and just how bad this lineup, which we don't think is great to begin with, could really be. I know that's more than one thing, but it's kind of all-encompassing, in my opinion. That, that, I, that those, That's what I fear, because if, if the young building blocks, you look up and you go, well, neither starting pitcher is any good, and India was just a fluke, and Stevens is—where where are we then?
0: uh, over under 74 and a half wins. That was the current line on DraftKings. Where are you at there?
1: Yeah, I'll go. I'll I'll stick with what I predicted in, in, in print in the piece you talked about. I I went with 78 and 84. Um, and I even said, I said, this team has a chance to be pretty good and maybe push for a playoff spot if, and I got it in italics, everything falls into place, but that rarely happens in major league baseball. You know, the rotation could be great. It could be a flop. Um, and, and so when I'm, the way I think I did the piece at the end of the day, I thought, all right, I'm kind of talking about this being a 500 team, the reasons it's going to maybe win some and lose some. And so then I settled for, I didn't really, I mean, it was an 83 win team last year. You didn't make it significantly better on proven. Now listen, you could make it significantly better. If these two kids are that good of pitchers, I'm going to lean with, I'm going to lean with over that, that 74 number. I've seen 73 and a half floated around, which I like even more. Um, I, I don't think as it's currently constructed, it's a 90-loss team. I don't want to believe that. And and I've given it a little leeway with a 78-84 pick, so I'm going over.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is they don't need to be better than last year to achieve right. this over. Like, it's, it's a very low number at 74.5. That being said, I think I'm going to go under. There's just, really? to me, there are too many things that have to go right. I can argue way easier that this is a disaster of a season than I can that this is a successful season.
1: I, I've, I I'm noting you. I I, you know, I, mean, the I think the part, numbers
0: almost perfect. If if you would have told me to guess the record, I would have said seventy five wins.
1: Yeah, I I went seventy eight, so we're not not far off. I think the one thing that that I really didn't take into account when I did that prediction is, are you ready for the first part of this season? Four at the Braves, you come home for two. That's nice. Then four at the Dodgers, three at the Padres. Three with the Cardinals at home. Three more with the Padres at home, and then back on the road to the Rockies, and that's the end of the first month. You could get your skull kicked in this first month when five or six games, and be sitting at six and seventeen, and all hope is lost. And that wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, and that would be maybe even not even playing poorly; just you're playing better teams.
0: Right, trying to figure it out with some of these young guys, get their feet under them, and all of a sudden you look up and the season's already over. But right. Right. I have one other betting line here for you, or odds, I should say. The Reds are plus 550 to make the playoffs. Any interest there?
1: No, uh, the, the, that's five and a half to one. Yep. Um, no, no, I, I don't find value. If you got me double-digit odds to make the playoffs, I think yeah. I'd probably be a sucker enough to take it, but that I don't find any value in that whatsoever. I mean, we're not even talking about this team being above 500 and what we're talking about, let alone make the playoffs, and you're only going to give me five and a half to one? I can find a really good horse at five and a half to one.
0: Yeah. I'm with you on that. All right. Anything else in terms of major league baseball, the reds, anything else to do with the start of the season?
1: Yeah, obviously? It's funny though. I know you and I crapped on it a month or so ago or whatever, when all the labor striped, and we all, we said, ah, to hell with it. If they don't even play, I don't even care. Well, I kind of care at least for the first month. I kind of care.
0: Yeah. I well, I mean, the the thing is you have that emotional letdown after college basketball ends and it's like, ah, yeah. oh, now what? And they're like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to turn on the Masters and I'm going to turn on baseball and we'll get this thing going again to keep us occupied for a few more months. So I'm right there with you. I mean, I've come around definitely from the the hardline stance of I wish the team would move cities a couple weeks ago too. okay, I'll watch you uh, here for the first few weeks and see if you can survive or not.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and honestly, I, I think you're going to know a lot after this first month. I mean, based on who they play.
0: All right, let's switch gears here to the college basketball side of things. I just mentioned the season has come to an end. Kansas is your 2022 national champions. The Jayhawks pulled off the biggest comeback in championship game history after being down by 16 to North Carolina in the first half, 15 at halftime, and storming back to win 72-69. Skinny, just general takeaways from the Final Four and the national championship.
1: Yeah, when does Kansas have that title vacated, Rick? What year do you think? (laughs)
0: I mean that is a little interesting how Bill Self has kind of avoided all of that, right? Yes,
1: it is. It's very interesting. That said, um, I thought it was fantastic. I thought the whole tournament was great. Um, and I know it sucked for Kentucky fans, um, especially to see who made the final four and that you weren't in the in the in the group that made it, but we talked about this a little bit last week. I mean, you look up and it's three blue bloods and arguably the best program in the country over the last count the years, seven, eight, nine years, whatever you want to
0: yeah, I'd say team out. of the decade, right?
1: It, the only, yeah, right. Yeah, correct. The only unfortunate part, obviously, was was the in, injuries. I, I thought Nova would find a way to fight through it. Shame on me, because Kansas was actually playing really well. That they line were. was, I got suckered into just thinking that Nova would hang around for whatever reason. They didn't. And the injury compromised. That's the only disappointing part, because um, I think you would have wound up having two great, you had one great semifinal game. I think you'd wound up having two great semifinal games, and we obviously had a great final game. Um, I think that was just kind of a microcosm of this tournament. I thought the tournament was great.
0: Justin Moore makes a big difference for Villanova. So I do think that would have changed things in that semifinal game. But I'd also say no one in the country was beating Kansas on that night. They were outstanding in that game.
1: That first first half especially.
0: The first 10 minutes was just a complete buzzsaw. It's like, okay, you got no shot against us tonight. We're throwing in threes all of a sudden to go along with everything else we do well. They were really defending both games. Both games, they really defended well, and that comeback they had in the second half, I thought North Carolina got complacent. It's just really hard, even in a national championship game, to not play the score when you get up so big so early. And they come out with a 15-point lead in the second half, and it just, it's easy to settle on the offensive end when you have that big of a lead, and I thought that's what they did early. Credit to Kansas because their defense was outstanding and forced them into some of those shots and lazy threes that I thought they took, but that comeback was something else to watch. And that was after an incredible half by North Carolina in the first half. So, you know, I think the Darmando Baycott injury was tough to watch. He had the ankle injury in the semifinals. And then in the championship game late, he steps on a loose floor board and turns his ankle. And you have to, it's a, it's a giant what if now in that game, because there's a very good chance North Carolina pulls off that win if he's still available to them. Instead, it goes down the way it does, and uh, like like you said, I mean, there, there was not a lot of buzzer beaters in this tournament. There wasn't quite the, the crazy March magic to this tournament, but we definitely had some great storylines, some great games, and you ended up with four really good teams in the Final Four, so it's hard to argue with that. I think the biggest... Storyline the the biggest memory I'll have from this tournament aside from obviously covering a coaching change during it and it <laughs> yeah. ruined yeah. most of my enjoyment yeah. was the Saint Peter's thing. I mean no that course. was that was just incredible.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it's you know you win one game that's really cute and that's that's sweet and cute and we all love it. But the fact they marched to the, to, to where they marched to, good for them.
0: Right, and against some legit competition, it wasn't like they got. Oh, we had to play the huge upset in the second round, so now we're g- no, they had to be Purdue. Correct. No, you know, correct. It, it wasn't like they just got a, a cupcake draw all of a sudden after they won that first game. It was yeah, a legitimate they, they, run.
1: They had to beat the best seed they could face in each round. They, they played a two-seed in first round in Kentucky. Then the 7-10 winner was the seven-seed, Murray State beat them. Then the next possible best seed is the three-seed in Purdue. Um, the funny part was they played the worst seed they could have faced from the other side in the eighth seed in Carolina. So um, that's, that's crazy, but it was Carolina team that was playing great. No, that, that run was fantastic just fantastic yeah
0: uh around college basketball there locally there's been some news in the last week of course jonas hayes the interim coach for xavier that led them to the nit championship took the job at georgia state so sean miller will have to replace him on his staff anything else out there locally that's that's happened there's been some guys entering the transfer portal uh, dwan odom from xavier is in the portal couple of UC guys I think we've mentioned. Mike Saunders has has left and committed to Utah already. Yep. Um, anything else locally that has stood out to you from the college basketball no, perspective?
1: Um, I'll be interested to see what Shibway decides to do. Um, Ty Ty Washington, as we are doing this, he's apparently put his name now in the in the draft. Sounds like he's going to go. I know Keon Brooks put his name in. It's not hired an agent yet. Um, do you expect, I guess I'll ask you this real quick, do you expect any other Xavier guys to enter the portal?
0: I do, yeah. I would be shocked if there aren't at least a couple yeah. more. Um, Colby Jones has said that he is coming back. I fully expect Jack Nunji to be back. I think that announcement will come any day. Yeah, now. he wants to
1: play with his brother, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, his brother was going to be a, a walk-on on the team. So it, right, at least be right. around him. And I, I believe yeah. he has uh, other relationships here and stuff kind of tying him down. So I, I don't think there's much of a chance of him leaving at this point. Right. So those are the two guys, in my opinion, for Xavier that you needed back. Everyone else was... Some of them were, okay, it'd be nice to have them back. Some of them, I don't know if you'd even say that. So I think there definitely has to be a, a reshaping of this roster in the offseason. And uh, as long as you have those two guys back, Jack Nunji and Colby Jones, you can kind of work with anybody else. Agreed. You know, Skinny, before we switch gears here one last time, I did want to bring up one thing that we kind of forgot to mention here in the Final Four, which is the second most viewed college basketball game in the history of the sport. And it more than lived up to the hype. The Duke North Carolina Final Four matchup was incredible, and was. the best part of it all is America got what we wanted. Coach K had to lose there in the Final Four to his biggest rival, being an eight seed. His face—it was beautiful. There was like there was nothing better than watching his face. That was a very late finish; it ended like around midnight, I want to say that night. And it was—it was just a beautiful thing to send us all off to bed on that Saturday, seeing Coach K's little weaselly face. Just grimacing as his team walked off the floor for the final time.
1: I will say, every, as much as everybody loves the the, the St. Peter story and all that, everybody loves the villain, right? Everybody watches the villain, and, and whether you like, he is the villain to many. That's why we all watched. I mean, that you know, everybody like, oh, I love the St. Peter. I, I want to watch. No, you don't. You you don't want to watch. It. You don't want to watch. It. You you want to watch the villain get beat. That, that's what that's what you want to watch. The hero beat the villain. In this case, even though Carolina is hard to have a hero complex with. Well, still, the villain got beaten. That's what everybody was watching. Everybody other than Duke fans. Yep,
0: it was great. I mean, and that game was so good too. That was the other part of it. Is like normally when you have that type of storyline and uh, the perfect matchup for television, all that something happens and it doesn't work out the way you think it's going to happen. You get a fourteen-point game or something. But that was right down to the wire, crazy action in the final two minutes. It just a great finish in a basketball game that I don't think many people will forget for a long time. All right, let's switch gears here to the golf side of the podcast, which is something we rarely hit on, but you're a big golf fan, you're a big Masters fan, and the Masters gets underway this morning as we're recording this. The big news, of course, is that Tiger Woods is plain skinny on a scale of 1 to 10, but without using 7 because it's just a cheat code. How interested are you in Tiger's
1: return? Uh, (laughs) 9.9. It's a, it's 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 still fascinating. I heard a couple people as I was driving this morning, I had to take some people to the airport this morning early and I was listening to a show, a national show, and one of the guys kept saying, well, what? why is there still so much attention on this guy? It's just one of those things, it just is. I mean, whether you like it or not, people are going to watch a lot of times because of Tiger Woods. These guys making money in golf today ought to have an homage to Tiger Woods for, for raising the stakes because of him. That's why golf pays so well today is because he raised the stakes in the game. And it's still fascinating to see the guy come back from what he came back from, playing the most iconic course in the world, other than maybe St. Andrews, which I love a lot. But this is the most iconic course in this country. Um, And trying to to fight back through that. And there there are some people that actually believe he can win this. I'm not one of them. I'm just hoping the guy makes the cut. But trust me, it's fascinating to watch him try to come back, especially in this tournament.
0: There's a couple things at work here, too, when Tiger Woods plays in a tournament again. One, the current generation of adults, for the most part, and you can stretch that from about probably 20, 25-year-olds all the way up to 50-plus. They grew up with Tiger Woods as the guy. I mean, so the, the nostalgia level, the, the it's like Jordan in a way to golf fans. He is the guy, and the you can argue if he's the best ever or not, but for anybody that's a current adult and likes golf, he has been sort of the Michael Jordan of that era. And so it's he's going to create a ton of interest from that standpoint. But golf is also very different from other sports. When Jordan comes back to play for the Wizards, you know you're not really getting Michael Jordan even as much as we care about watching him play and still want to see what it's going to look like you know it can't really be him when you get Terrell Owens trying to come back in football you know it's not going to be the same the athleticism I don't know man have you seen him though oh he's incredible he is a timeless wonder in terms of his physique wow you still know that eventually the athleticism the strength it all matters too much in those sports. In golf, it's just not that way. Like, Tiger Woods can still go out here and potentially compete with these guys, especially for one tournament, and that's what makes it so much
1: more interesting. He's 46 years old, and one of my favorite masters of all time was in 1986 when a 46-year-old won the tournament, Jack Nicholas. so it can be done. Not easily done. It can be done. And listen, I, he's not winning this coming back from what he's coming back from and not playing competitive golf. I think it would be, I think it would be something for him to make the cut, and I do think he makes the cut. Um but to walk this thing for four days and expect him to play at a really high level, I think is asking a lot.
0: I don't think anyone would disagree with that, but it's just interesting enough in the sport of golf that it can be done. And it's not even unreasonable to think. I mean, multiple people his age have won a major before. There's more than that that have won big tournaments. Tom, Wat-
1: Tom Watson led the British Open at age 60 going into the third round one not too long ago.
0: Right. There's been a handful of guys out there that have won majors at the age of 45 or older, so it's it's not unreasonable. I guess my other question I have for you about the Masters is, of course, what betting action do you like?
1: All right, I got uh, I got six of them. I've put a hundred dollars in the pot, Rick. Um, the the least amount I can win is two hundred and forty dollars, so I've got some action on Justin Thomas at 11 to one. I've got some action on Daniel Berger at 33 to one. I've got some action on Gary Woodland at 80 to one. I got some action on Kevin Kisner at hundred to one. Got some action on Bubba Watson at 80 to one. Some action on Joaquin Neiman at 45 to one. And on Matt, Matthew Fitzpatrick at 33 to one.
0: All right. Who's your favorite bet on the board?
1: Um, Out of this group, I, I'm leaning towards the Joaquin Neiman or Matthew Fitzpatrick bet. I, I got Joaquin Neiman, as I mentioned, a 45 to one, he is playing in Tigers group and he, he's he's talked about how maybe in past if he'd have been paired up with Tiger he'd have he'd have been watching Tiger more than worrying about his game but he, he won a cup about a month or so ago in, in LA lapped the field actually a Tigers tournament um, at, at Riviera and I I just I, I think he's gonna be in the mix and and I I think Matthew Fitzpatrick's game is so good he's playing really well right now Um He's a he's a, he's a great iron player. I I've got a feeling that that he's around too. So I I like the value there. My Justin Thomas one was kind of my saver at eleven to one. I really think jo- Justin's gonna have a great week too. Uh, that was one that's gonna based on my money. That one will get me. That'll give me about an eighty dollar profit all told. The other ones can get me anywhere to hell. I got Joaquin Neiman to win seven hundred bucks. So uh, for a hundred dollars in the pot, I'm I'm gonna go with. Plus I'm in a in a Masters pool where you pick an A B C D and E player, and I've got a, a bunch of mix and matches there. Um, So, yeah, trust me, I got lucky. I was supposed to broadcast a couple of games today and tomorrow. They both got washed out. And so I've got my my daughter's puppy over here. So I'm puppy sitting and I'm literally not moving from the couch uh, when we're done with this podcast. I'll be watching Masters into the Reds tonight.
0: There you go. That's perfect. A perfect Thursday day and evening for you. And that brings us into our Ask Skinny Anything segment. With the Masters upon us, is Skinny a pimento cheese sandwich guy?
1: I can tolerate it. In fact, um, I used to think that was the grossest thing ever until I really found out. I actually, this is probably two decades ago. I kind of dove into what in the world is in this. I know the cheese part of it. When I finally out, I "I like all those ingredients and I taste it. Just when you look at it, it just looks so gross in concept, but it is pretty good. I, I I, I don't go out of my way to make a pimento cheese sandwich. Um, now that actually that question was asked, maybe I'll make a pimento cheese grilled sandwich over the weekend for lunch.
0: Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, I'd, I've never had a pimento cheese sandwich, but I do like pimento cheese. I've just had it on like crackers.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: like as a dip. I'm a dip guy. People know that. I, uh, people know that. Highest to lowest number. We've got four categories here, Skinny. You've got to give us highest to lowest. Reds yeah. wins. Your okay. retirement age. Ooh. Attempt requiring watching a Reds game shirtless. Ooh. And number of chiefs uttered per game that you coach.
1: Um. <laughs> all right, so highest to lowest. Yeah. I would say temp requiring shirtless watching Reds game is highest. If it's for, not a hundred or more, you're. Come on. I was gonna say it's got to be hundred and ten for me to have. I, I'm not. I, I'd still swear. I. Yeah. There's no I'd requirement.
0: There's no cutoff that requires you to go shirtless at a baseball. How about this?
1: How about if it got up to 180 degrees? We'd all be dead anyway, but at that point I'd probably take my shirt off. Yeah.
0: So that's obviously the highest. That's the highest. Then Um, is it Reds win or
1: your retirement? uh, I'm trying for for three more years, but I'm probably going to have to go for seven more years to work till retirement. So that's in the mid-60s. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go, so we're going high. I'm going to go Reds wins are next on the list. Then my retirement age, and then the number of Chiefs during a game.
0: Where where are we setting the over under on Chiefs? Maybe four and a half, five and a half.
1: I don't do it during a game. I don't do a lot of Chiefs. I really don't. Yeah, um,
0: I, I was kind of thinking that you probably say a few other things, but not Chief as much. Chief is more well, like your <laughs> people your age. I feel like
1: occasionally when I when I when I need the refs' attention, I'll yell heck because I'm I, <laughs> exactly. I'm so bad. I'm so bad at this. I I I try when they when they come over and write their names in the book right? I try to rem- memorize them, correct? And of course, you go to the little center circle for the captain's meetings, and I'm Jason, and I'm Bill, and okay, you're Jason Bill, I got a Jason Bill. And as soon as the game tips off, I forget their names. Um, I know some of them just over time, I've known them, a couple of them I've played pickup leagues with, so those guys I know, and that's usually the guy, I, poor guy I lean on for calls. I'm like, hey, Bill, come on, help me with this, or can you help your partner? Um, but if not, it'll literally be, hey, Chief, Chief, got a minute? I, I, feel I was terrible. I wish I, I should write them down. I just have a little cue card. This is like, that's Jason. And that's Bill. Okay. I got it.
0: Yeah. So actually NKU staff does something that I found interesting that they, they have one of their, um, managers, they have Fair. one of their student yeah. managers put up a, a piece of paper. They tape it to the scores table right next to the bench. And one will have With their pictures, all the rest pictures and names. Yep. And then the other will have all the coaches on the other team's pictures and names. So they. I think that's know, smart. Know I think, it, yeah, I think it is really smart. I always used to do the sir very angrily when I was trying to. get I'm a I'm big sir guy.
1: I do. I do sir a lot. Sir. Yeah. It, sir. Yep. You're missing yep. it. I, yep, I love or, that move. That, that's usually, chief will be when I just need to say something to them. Yeah. Sir, I'll do the sir a lot of times when I'm angry and I want to argue something. Yeah, exactly. A pissed
0: off sir is, is Yes, I'm great. a big
1: pissed off. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad you brought because I'm, I'm a big pissed off sir guy. I, I was I never said sir when I meant
0: like I was actually being polite and calling you sir. That's correct. It was always like, no. you're a dumbass, and this is how no, I'm dude, referring to you
1: now. Dude, you. that's exactly how I am. I'll get the sir. Do you have a minute? Sir, sir. Listen, on that end of the floor, you're calling this. On this end of the floor, you're calling that. That's sir, usually the, the – the, you're right. That, the sirs – that's a great call, Rick. I do more surge probably than chiefs.
0: Sir, what's your name again? Jason? Yeah. Guys, Jason sucks. <laughs> uh, after college basketball coaching.
1: Oh, too. that brings up – hang on. That brings up a great story real quickly, if okay. I can. Yeah, go for it. So there's one official, and he's a nice guy, and, and but he's just a terrible official in my opinion. So anyway – he, he he's late to one of my freshman games this year. It was the first game of a triple header. Not his fault. He got involved in a car accident. Somebody rear-ended him, and he got there. I'm like, hey man, you okay? And he said, yeah. He goes, my car's not. I said, hey, I'm sorry about that. He said, he said sorry, to make you guys waste. No problem. I said, I'm sorry for that. And I was. I generally I don't want to see that happen to anybody. So, but during the game, he was just he didn't make. He just struggled. He was struggling early. Maybe the car wreck was on his mind. So I guess it was one of my grandparents. I didn't even hear him say it. Yelled, "You're horrible!" Is all he yelled. And he kicked the guy out of the gym. So as, as he split, I said, what did he say to you? What did he say? And he said, he said, he said, you're horrible. I said, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> and he said, you want me to bang you? I said, well, again, you're kicking him out for that. He's allowed to say that. I said, he's not wrong. And he kind of looked at me and I thought, I'm going to get one here in a second. But I thought he literally kicked it out for saying you're horrible. And I thought, no, nah, you, you are. It's the whole concept of the guy speaking truth. Can't kick him out for speaking truth.
0: You know, the Iceman, don't you? Yes. Well, he was uh, calling one of our, I think it was seventh grade girls game at the time that I was an assistant coach for my cousin, George, who you know, Um, and he's, you know, we're coaching and one of our parents yells, nice hair down to Ron, who uh, had, he's a ref (laughs) who had an entirely bald head, but kept a patch like right in front and gelled it up. Like the whole, you know, the the look that all guys did at that time, but he just had one little patch of hair in the front that he gelled up with nothing behind it. Um, And so one of our parents yells, nice hair and then george immediately gets banged with a. oh my heavens <laughs> for wow. like nothing george hadn't said hardly anything so uh i always remember that as, as like an that, all-time skinned moment
1: i was gonna say that's when you got some rabbit ears there man yeah
0: i mean come on you can't do that with your hair and expect people not to comment on it like exactly. you know what you're doing so come on you're inviting uh, it, sir after after college sure. basketball coaching changes Rank the local and regional head coaches. Feel free to include Dayton, OSU, IU, Butler, Louisville, etc. So we got UK Calipari, Xavier Miller, Ohio State Holtman, Butler Mata, NKU Horn, Dayton Grant, Cincinnati Miller, Indiana Woodson, and Louisville Payne. Those are those are the eight co- or nine coaches
1: that yeah, we have right now. Okay, so I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna go Cal at the top because he's won a national title and been to Final Fours, and this is coming from a guy as I've been well established. I'm not a Cal fan.
0: You are not, but you have to put him number one on this list.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the in the interest of fairness, yes. Let's go through them together. Where would you put him? One, okay.
0: absolutely one.
1: And then I two. Two is two's interesting. I think I'd put Thad at two just because he's done it at multiple places. Ooh, interesting. That. And I know you can argue Sean has too, but argue you that he, he had enough talent in Arizona to at least make a Final Four.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Yes? I think that's fair. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting one. I actually had Thad drop down a couple spots, but I guess part of that was I was factoring a little bit that he had been out of the game a little bit longer now, and he had so much trouble recruiting at the end of his time at Ohio State because of all the negative recruiting about his health that... I guess I was kind of factoring that into where he would be at in the pecking order. Like if I was, if I was making a hire right now, who would I want out of these guys? I would have had Sean Miller and Chris Holtman above Thad Mata personally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give you that part of it. Cause I still don't know. Does Thad's health act up at some point when things aren't going right? Yeah. And I don't think,
0: I think he's fine. He's not that old. He has the drop footage. No, he's, 50, he's 54, right? Yeah. He's like the same age as Sean. Yeah. Um, he had the drop foot issue. He had a botched surgery from what I understand that gave him some more trouble, but he's been fine. And he was really pretty much fine from what I understand at the end at Ohio state too, in terms of like people were telling recruits that he was going to die soon. And that was never like in in the cards. It was just awful. Yeah. I mean, he was having some trouble standing up. He was sitting on the bench maybe a little bit more, but he wasn't, you know, in, in real danger there from what I understand, at least everything I've heard. So, yeah, I I don't think that's going to be a huge issue, but I also think now you've been out of the recruiting game for a little bit, so that matters to some extent. And then also people aren't going to stop using that against you. So he has said that he's fine, he's made all types of assurances that Butler believed will the public opinion and recruits and their parents believe that. That's the question.
1: Yeah. No, so I'm going to go him to Sean 3. You're going to reverse him? I'm well, I'm going to I had him at Four. I would have had Miller and Holtman oh, right. Yeah, you know, Chris Holtman needs to do more for me.
0: You could make that argument now, although I would argue he got off to an unbelievable start to his career, and now he's slowed down a little bit, but yeah, um, I, I think he's a pretty good coach.
1: All right, I'll slide Chris Holtman in at number four. Who, who do we got left here? We got Wes well, Miller. This is
0: where it really gets interesting. It I'm does. curious to know your next answer. I know next mine. So-
1: I, I know I know yours, too, and I think I'm probably <laughs> leaning towards you, but I can also argue that things didn't go so well at South Carolina in the big boy job. I'll, I'll go Darren Horn at five at the moment.
0: I will, too. Um, I think you could make that same argument for Anthony Grant, that it didn't go yeah, well at the big I was, boy I, job. Yeah, he,
1: he was the one I was debating, but you can argue that things did not, and they didn't go well at Alabama.
0: Right. And if you look at the other three guys, they just haven't really done anything. I mean, Wes Miller obviously won a ton of games at UNCG, but, you know. Correct. So be
1: it. And, and, and listen, the, the Kenny Payne hiring we talked about a long time ago, I, I thought they'd, go, they'd make a bigger run at Mick, but he's certainly a guy that you and I talked about for the Louisville job. It seemed like a natural fit. But now that he's there, now the question is, can he coach? I think he can recruit. Can he coach?
0: Yeah, and we just have no way. I mean, there's no way to not put him last on this list. So That's yeah, nothing, it's that's nothing it's, against it's, him. We know incomplete. nothing about him, and there's right. no reason to think that he's going to So, know so what I'll, he's doing I'll right put, now.
1: So I'll put Travis eight. That makes what West Miller seven.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot to add Travis to this list too. So we actually have ten names here. Uh, yeah, I would. Well, I would. Yeah, yeah that's I would right. go Darren and then Anthony Grant and then, and then Anthony Travis Grant. And then I'm and gonna then, go, So where do you? Yeah. So where do you have Wes above or below Travis?
1: I'm gonna put him above Travis because at least he he's got at least a track record of success at Greensboro. And honestly, I thought he did a pretty good job this year with, with, with what, with the hand he was dealt.
0: Fair enough. So you got Wes, Travis, and then Mike Woodson, Kenny and then Payne, Ken, then Kenny up.
1: Payne, and Kenny Payne gets an incomplete. I I don't put him there for anything other than I, I just don't know. Yeah. Where do you have Mike Woodson? Oh, I forgot. I, I like Mike Woodson. You know what? I'm going to put Mike Woodson. Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to put Mike Woodson right under Anthony Grant.
0: Okay. All right. I had him under Wes Miller, but I mean, it's it's splitting hairs there at that point. I don't think either one of them have really proved much at this level yet. Yeah, that's fair. All right. One of the one of X's biggest issues in the past is being able to hold on to a coach and being a stepping stone for coaches. With Miller on his second tour with Xavier, do you think he will retire at X or do you think this is another stepping stone for him to get back to a bigger program?
1: I think he retires at X. I, maybe that's that's wrong of me to think that. I, I think he he played with the big time. The big time bit him in the ass, and now you're at a place where you can win. You have won. Um, this ain't exactly small potatoes job either. I get the whole. I I know that's been the concept. I mean, um, no, I think he retires here. Uh,
0: it's it's always tough to say a guy's going to retire at. The spot he's at now, just because there's so many variables and so many things that can happen. I mean, what if what if it just doesn't work? I and mean, we're all. Well, the, that, some, I, mean, I guess that's possible to, too. It, yeah, what yeah, if that, it just that's, that's it? possible yeah, um, too. Yeah, right. But yeah, in terms of like him leaving for a bigger job, I don't think that's his intention here. I, I'd be surprised no if it was. I think he's really coming well, here's the back thing. Here's the thing, Rick. If Rick, if it Rick,
1: Rick, if it was and if it was about just money, he'd have taken South Carolina, right? maybe other
0: than i do think and going back to the point about darren horn i think that's just a terrible job it is and well, i think I agree with people you. know that i think it's where you go to to kill your career so i'll, I'll um, be honest
1: dave Odom. dave odem is a great coach in my opinion great coach and he did some really good things in south carolina he couldn't do enough
0: well i mean you look at what darren did at western kentucky right? and now you look what he's done immediately at nku and just being around him i've been very impressed with the way they do things to where it's like you know I'm not so sure that he was the problem at South Carolina, especially right. when you look at everybody else at South Carolina, including Frank Martin, who had just, he had to just get ran out of town there. Right. So, I mean, granted, he did make a Final Four. Give him. Credit yeah, that, that was lightning or, in a bottle. That was, that really was, was, that was lightning in a bottle.
1: Yeah. It really I mean, was. Credit to him, credit to them, but that was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, I mean, it really is a disaster of a program, I think. So. Um, And it's funny because I love their arena. I loved when I covered the SEC, Rick, that was literally my favorite city to go to. I love Columbia, South Carolina. It's it's beautiful.
0: I I hear, you know, my cousin went there for school. I hear nothing but good things about living there and hanging out there. But uh, in terms of running a basketball program, they just don't care. Right. No, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So for the Sean Miller thing, one thing I will say is I just don't think the stepping stone thing is nearly as big of a problem as people make it out to be. Like every program in the country except for four or five are stepping stone well, jobs.
1: Okay, so so here's the thing. Right. So here's the thing. Thad Mata leaves for Ohio State. Hard to blame him. Sean Miller leaves for Arizona. Hard to blame him. Chris Mack leaves for Louisville. Hard to blame him. I mean none of these
0: and Chris Chris Mack was the first one that left Xavier when they were at the big time and playing in a high right. major conference. Right. The other two were right. in the A ten. It's like it's a no brainer. So it was But you even, can argue you can argue Rick Louisville's a top ten job, right? You, you could argue it was a top five job before right. all right. the craziness right. that's happened. Right. It might still yeah, be, right. honestly. I mean the the support there is just crazy um in oh, terms right. of how much they care. So, yeah, I, I don't, yeah it, I've never been worried about the jobs that those guys left for in terms of, like, that being a mark on Xavier. And I just think people get so caught up in trying to keep – and, yeah, you're right. Look, if, if you get a mark for you to stay at Gonzaga, that will work out. It maybe can elevate you to the next level. If you get a Jay Wright to stay at Villanova, it can work out and maybe elevate you to the next level. I get why people want a big-time coach to stay around for a long time. I just don't think that's really, like, a sign of your program other than you're not a blue bo- blood. Cause that's really no, the only right. jobs that people won't leave. No, that's right. And I mean, even Roy Williams did that. So it's like, there's no job that is just like, I'm staying here forever, really, except for a couple. And aside from that, Chris Mack stayed for almost a decade at Xavier. Like how long do you have to stay before it's not considered a stepping stone? It's just like, Hey, I've been here a long time. I want something new. You know, yeah, that, that's kind exactly. of a normal I'm, thing
1: I'm, in life. I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with you. Yeah.
0: But t- to answer the question about Sean Miller specifically, no, I don't think his intention is to look for a bigger job. It's, I wouldn't entirely rule it out. I mean, if he kills it at Xavier over the next couple of years and then UK or, I don't know, maybe, maybe a Kansas, if something happens with Bill Self in the next couple of years, it, things go wild there uh, with the, Investigations, which I, I don't think anything's going to happen significantly to him, but uh, you never know if, if something were to happen at one of the blue bloods, maybe he would consider one of those opportunities, but I don't think that's his intention. I think he is really legitimately excited about coming back to Xavier and uh, trying to get Xavier to that top tier of the country. I'm with you. All right, skinny. If you could add one song to Rick's wedding reception playlist, what would it be? And what song would you ban from that playlist?
1: Um, Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> There's only
0: one band song right now. That is "Wagon Wheel."
1: I do like "Wagon Wheel," but I, I, I'm noting you. <laughs> it, it's it's pretty cliche ish. Um, band
0: and all, uh, we're we're also doing no line
1: dances. I bet that's that's well. fair. How about a little funk soul, brother? Okay, we'll add that to the mix. Okay. Funk Soul Brothers added.
0: I can do that. It's great. They have an app. Like, you just load them all in and you tell them what uh, you want to
1: hear. See, I'd have to see the list that you got to see which ones I'd want to ban, Rick. That's the thing.
0: Well, it's not, you might not be a song we have on the list. It's like, what song would you be like, can't play this at a wedding?
1: Uh, butterfly Kisses, just
0: don't. <laughs> so that, I can guarantee you that won't be on the list either.
1: Well, that, that of course, is what my, my daughter had had. she and I dance to because one of our first father-daughter dances, that was kind of the big song at the time. So, I get, like I, I, what's that? Did you ball like a little baby? Uh, No, I'm not a big crier, Rick. I'm just, I'm not. But I, 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 as soon as it came on, I smiled. I said, you are such a, she goes, I knew you'd say something to me about this. I said, exactly. I said, that's why you picked it.
0: Yeah. it's also why you're you.
1: Yep, exactly. Yep. So we'll All ban right. that one. Butterfly Kisses is banned from your from your wedding playlist, Rick.
0: I'll, I'm writing it down right now. I'll add it to the app tonight. Butterfly Kisses, no go. I don't think you're in any danger there. All right, good.
1: Well, I didn't know. I mean, dance with your mom. Yeah, that won't that won't be the
0: one we dance to. We're more okay. likely to dance to uh like Get Low or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't, honestly, that that I, I may have to video that.
0: Yeah, well, you'll, you'll you'll be there, so. <laughs> uh, I know.
1: Uh, that's great. All right, that's all I got. All right. Good stuff. Uh, appreciate everybody being with us. We'll be back uh, next week. And then uh, I think we're, we've got a hiatus week when you go on your honeymoon, correct? I am
0: trying to get something together for that week. So maybe we will record an ask any anything okay. beforehand and uh, we'll slap right. it on to like a best of.
1: That so, sounds like a plan. Uh, we'll figure that out. We'll be back next week for sure. For Rick Roy, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly poetry edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Brandy.